Hello, this is Joe Peters at In the Know of Joe, and I'm about to interview Walter Slade of Slade Coach LLC. Walter is born, bred, and educated in New Jersey and has dedicated his life and his gifts to inspire people to be their best. Let's listen in as Walter explains what he does. Hello, it's Joe Peters with In the Know of Joe, and I'm talking today with Walter Slade with Slade Coach LLC. His last name is S-L-A-D-E. And uh, I've known Walter for a couple of years. We both belong to a chamber in Somerset County meeting group that meets on every second Monday morning. And I've always felt Walter was somebody I wanted to talk to more. And I've actually invited him to my radio show, which is no longer in existence. I'm not sure we're going to resurrect it because I think the podcast is, is just fine. Um, and we, it didn't get done because of COVID, but Walter, welcome on. Well, thank you, Joe. It's, it's a pleasure to kind of be on the show. And I thank you so much for your invitation. Long time coming. Yeah. Long time coming. That's a good way to put it. So Walter, you're, you're, you're based in Bridgewater, New Jersey, but I think your, your business is, is quite almost global if need be. Um, why don't you give us a little bit about your background and how you got to be sitting where you're sitting today? Sure, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and um, again, it's my appreciation for, to, to, to you, Joe, for inviting me. So I'm a um, uh, born and raised in Newark, New Jersey. That's home. So New Jersey is home for me, you know, for all of my now 60 plus years, if you will, on this um, planet. You know, um, I uh, went to school in, in, in Newark, Central High School. Okay. Went to college at Drew University in Madison, New Jersey. Get a little bit of time doing some graduate work. And all that time, there was always this desire on my part, and I've always been engaged in some ways, in some type of work around either coaching or counseling. And it starts back to even when I was working in the inner city in Newark, I was pretty much acting as a coach or a counselor to younger children and kids on the street. You know, and so it was always something in there um, to kind of help others to be more effective and be better. I probably didn't have the right word for it then, but it was showing up as something I was good at. And people always said, well, you know, if it's going to be an issue, let's get Walter because he'll help. He'll be in the middle to help make sure it doesn't get too out of control. I got to tell you, every time I talk to you, I just feel soothed. I mean, it's you, you have that uh, aura about you. You could be a minister if need be, I think. Um, and to an extent, that's probably part of what you do is, is making feel people feel good about themselves and finding their way. Yeah, Joe, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I do. And I appreciate that. And I receive that. And, and it's, it's um, one of those kind of gifts, I would say that, you know, through your through the years of time, it's going to always been there. But naming it and also becoming comfortable saying, I really believe that inspiring people to be their best is something that I particularly am gifted at and supporting right. people to be their best. And also being honest about when people are, are getting in their own way, you know. So who's your ideal client, Walter? I mean, we're in, we're in a, a crossroads in my mind uh, of a lot of people being out of work or underemployed. Uh, some people in our own leads group like uh, Adam are, are that way. He's just trying to find his next step. He's been working with a couple of us to help get our stuff in order. Um, you, you're looking for somebody, not so much who has lost their way, but is looking for the direction they need to be going in based on what they're trying to achieve and what they've got in their pocket. 
Yeah, Joe, I think I would say, and, and thank you. I mean, there. Are, I think I have a, a couple of what I would call ideal clients and I look at them more like niches. You know, um, one niche that I really like to work with are people leaders in organizations because I've spent 30 some odd years myself working in the corporate business type of environment. And so individuals who find themselves really trying to figure out how do I really manage well other people? First, how do I manage myself well? And that's kind of the first piece of my mantra. You know, everybody's a leader and the first person you lead is yourself. You've heard me right. say that. Joe. And so I start with that premise. So that's one client group that I do enjoy working with because it also gives me a chance to connect back into my 30 some odd years of working in corporate and human resources. And so I just enjoy having that blended piece of work. That's one niche. Okay. And then the, the other niche I would say would be one working in the nonprofit organization. I, you know, I currently do work with, you know, the Christian Missionary Alliance with this, the Metro district here. And I do enjoy working with those leaders who are in those type of, I would, I would say that's happened to be a church, but it could be religious environment who also find themselves really needing to improve their effectiveness around people. And often that training is not afforded to them in that type of environment. So that's one other nonprofit group that I really do enjoy working with as well. And then the third, I would say, which is really kind of coming out happening is really often there are, um, you know, um, uh, people of color, particularly males, who are often trying to figure out like, you know, that kind of duality. How do I figure out, how do I keep, you know, making a way, you know, in this world when sometimes I'm feeling as if like I have multiple levels of pressure. And so I try to connect back into my experience growing up in Newark, you know, and my own experiences and try to help individuals who have some similar experiences to see if they can find their, their way moving forward. So if it's less financial and more, and more like, helping you to know that in many ways, you really have the answer within you. My job is to be the guide on the side. Okay. So you, you sort of observe where a person is and where they're trying to go and help him rearrange his direction, his or her direction. That's, uh, that's commendable. Um, I see your sign behind you, find the joy in journey. I mean, it's a great sign. It, it says a lot. I never realized the joy was in the journey, uh, even letter-wise. So it's an eye-opener. Talk about some of the people, uh, without mentioning names, that you've helped recently. So we can sort of zero in and, and um, maybe help you find others that you can help. Well, sure. No, no Thank you, Joe. So I'll, I'll talk about just different types of folks. One is um, the individuals who are, I said, they happen to be working in businesses and they find themselves really trying to figure out, one, how do I really work most effectively with my employees in this environment? How do I best do that? I'm having different kinds of struggles and I'm trying to figure this out. You know, it doesn't have to be a big organization because I work with small businesses and sometimes it's just a solopreneur who's really trying to figure out how they can work more effectively. And often, Joe, what's getting in their way is less their physical fitness, but more their mental fitness, how they're thinking about things. And so, so okay. that's one type of, I would say, client who says, you know, I'm just trying to figure this out and I need a thinking partner to talk out loud with about what I'm thinking right, and to help me kind of discern is what I'm saying to myself the way that makes the most sense. And I don't really, Walter, want to have that conversation with somebody else. Okay. 
So that's that's a that's an ideal. And by the way, Joe, that could be in any number of different places, but it tends to be one piece in in a, in a business. The other the other I have worked with is individuals who are really find themselves trying to build more effective relationships with other people, and right. they can be a solopreneur, and they find themselves saying, "Walter, I'm trying to get a feel for." What's getting in the way for me? I seem to be having challenges being as effective in building good relationships in the way that I want to. And I'm trying to work that through. And I just want to talk out loud about it and see if I can figure out a plan that I can implement and have an accountability partner that I can work with. Right. And, and the word coach means um, just you know, like you think about it in basketball or football or baseball. You're, you're not in the game with them. You're on the side sort of giving them direction and not necessarily while it's happening, but maybe before it happens again to say, you know, the last time this happened, you did A, and I think maybe you want to do sort of B the next time you see it. So you meet with people periodically. You don't go to work with them every day and talk out their goals and help them reconstruct their direction. That's right, Joe. And it's a great way of kind of putting it. So, so this piece of being an accountability coach is really not to try to really beat them down, but to remind them of what it is they were trying to do. And so having some sense of frequency helps people to build a pattern. Um, what, I, what we know from the work that I do is that often people have great insights and that insight is a powerful thing. However, it only represents 20% of what needs to happen. The real big deal is the 80% of continuously implementing a regular practice till it becomes a habit. Right. You know, and, and it, is, it is the rigorous routine of that practice, whatever it is, that gets whatever they're trying to do from an interesting idea and they build it into their muscle memory. And when they build it into their muscle memory, then it doesn't seem as difficult and they wind up saying, wow, I've got a new habit and I don't have to put any thought around it. And it's exactly what it is I wanted to do. And I try to help them to do that and recognize and to inspire them, Joe, along the way, because often people can be the worst critics right. and spend more time beating up on themselves than they do remembering all the good things they're doing, even though it's a one step at a time type of process. So let me ask a, a series of three questions at once. I mean, how do you find people? How long do you work with them? And then how do you get remunerated? I mean, how do you, you're not in this for your health. You're in this as a business, but you love what you're doing. Do. Uh, how do you do those three things? Find people, help them, and how long it takes, and, and how do you get paid? Well, there. thanks, Joe. And so I mentioned earlier that there's one piece, maybe I mentioned earlier, that one that is, as being part of a bench of a larger organization or a few of them, one, um, they really find the clients. Okay. They find the clients, and they kind of call me in and then we do something kind of a chemistry meeting. You know, you have a chemistry meeting with that client to see if you and they really kind of match. Right. And, relationships. and if that's the case, then then the, the company is really paying them and they pay me. I submit them in a time card and so forth and so on. So that's one source. That's how I find clients that way. And I continuously right. communicate to them my skills and interests and availability because okay. they want to know how available you are for different assignments. And that's one way. The other way that I found to be very effective, Joe, most effective, is the referrals. Yep. I find that, that be, because often people like yourself and others will say, you know, I know somebody, Walter, who I think could really use 
that kind of conversation. And I, as I've mentioned, my first discussion really is a chemistry discussion to give them a feel for what it might look like. And there's no, the only cost involved in there is just time, my right. time and their time, you know? And if they'd like to do that, then we continue on to figure out, if you will, the, the, the business relationship compensation side of it. So that's really the, the two things. The third is I do a little bit of marketing sometimes online, but I found Joe that, you know, my experience so far is that the biggest bang for the buck is really the referrals from others who they think would really, you know, enjoy talking with me and maybe working through some challenges that I can help them with. So how do you meet enough of those other people then to find enough to help yourself and them along? Well, well, Joe, that, that is a, the, the continuous challenge. Yep. I would, I would say to you, most of my business right now, and, and I, most of my business is really through that sitting on the bench type of operation. And because the big companies tend to always have continuous need, I tend to kind of be in play because the needs are, are you know, it goes up and down cyclical, just like in your business. However, as now the coaching demand has increased, I'm now getting more demand from those folks. That keeps my pipeline up. Okay. But, but the other space is I tend to get involved with other different types of groups. Whether it's, whether it's working with um, the Somerset County business partner or other organizations and other people. And I build relationships that way. So, so, so to some extent, it, it's incumbent upon me being out and meeting any number of different people in different ways and not always face-to-face. -face. I'm on calls with, oh my goodness, maybe six or seven different groups. And many times, Joe, I am, if you will, giving away, but I don't feel it's, I'm investing my experience in that session. And then someone says, Walter, I'd love to have a conversation with you. And it takes off from there. Wow. You know, I've got another um, associate that I deal with, John Hadley. I don't know if you know John. I know John, yes. Okay. And he does he does something a little different. I mean, he's he's doing job career career coaching. You're sort of lost at sea. The, the, the function you were doing isn't available anymore. Let's use an abstract. Let's say you were into the uh, the printing business and printing is sort of something nobody's doing because we're all online and now I need to take my skills and find the next job. So he does that. And I always admired John as well, because he always starts with a story that, you know, Joe Smith came to me and dot, 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 dot. And as a result, I helped him do A, B, C, and D. And now Joe is happily reemployed in, in a new profession he wasn't even considering. Um, so that's career counseling, and you're doing more career coaching from people who from the sideline have said, this person needs a little help. Yeah, Joe, and I, yes, and I know John. I know Brian, and he's, I, you know, John's an excellent, you know, person, team. And in fact, you know, I've done career transition, you know, uh, counseling as well as part of my work history. As part of my work, I actually did that for about 18 months as a, as part of my assignment, you know, when I was doing that, working with Lee Heck Harrison. And so, yes, and it's a very, very important piece of work. What I would call mine, mine is not so much career counseling, it is leadership counseling. Sometimes yes. the career conversation comes in there, it gets weaved in. And so I might find an employee who says, you know, part of what's going on, Walter, is I'm really trying to get promoted. I'm trying to get promoted to move right. up. And I'm really trying to figure out What's getting in the way? Okay. 
So, so it has a, has a similarity, although they're really employed, but they're trying to move up. Or, that, or, or they've been given communication from their manager or others who said, you know, you're not doing so well. So the manager in a corporate environment may call in and say, I want to provide you a coach to help support you to move forward because we really think you're a great talent, but something's just not connecting and right. we don't seem to be able to get at it. You know? Right. So they, um, so they, I, can I, I can recall when I worked in a corporate world that my manager, maybe two levels up, would, would sit down with me and say, I've got something new I want you to work on. And I'd sort of, um, I'll give you a good example. I mean, I, I was always in IT and I was always in project management. So I either managed the data center or I managed the projects that were going on that were the applications for the data center. And one, one time I got assigned to take a look at computer leasing. And I'm saying, I don't do computer leasing. What is, well, the, the person saw in me uh, an interest and an aptitude for financial skills that I didn't see in myself. And I actually, from that, went out and got some education in lease versus buy. And I got some education in financial justification for things and whatever. And it's been part of what I do. No matter what board I get involved in, I seem to get put on the budget and finance committee now. Because <laughs> I've got a head for numbers. I've got an interest in that. A number of people don't. Like Marilyn, she likes to make cookies. I like to eat cookies. It's a wonderful <laughs> relationship. But she can't balance her own checkbook. And she'll tell you that. Hey, she says, so, yeah, we all have different interest levels and skill levels. Yes, we do, Joe. And, that, and I love that, Joe. That's, that's so true. And so, and so very much in that same vein, you know, um, sometimes the conversation is, you know, uh, you know and I've had conversations with who said, you know, Walter, you know, um, it's, it's career transition. I'm really not out of work. But part of what I really want to talk about is what do I do now in my next leg of my journey? I'm in, I'm, I'm about to write chapter six. Yep. I'm about to write it, but I'm just not sure what it is I want it to be. Namely, you know, who do I want to be now when I grow up? <laughs> it's a very interesting kind of conversation. So I certainly will do exercises with them around, well, tell me what you value. Tell me what's important. Tell me what you liked about this. What do you see yourself doing? Okay, so that's kind of what's getting in the way for you as you begin to kind of lay that path out. It certainly has a career orientation, but it may not, and I'm sure John does this as well at times, you may have a candidate who's not necessarily talking about, you know, finding the next job from a financial standpoint, you know, right. they're talking about, you know, I'm just not so sure what that next chapter is going to look like, and I want to think it through. Yeah. I can recall when we were interviewing at the corporate level, we would look for like a systems analyst with certain skills, maybe they were personnel skills or HR skills or um, financial skills, merchandising skills. But then we'd find somebody who had like 60% of what we were looking for and 40% of something else. And we'd look at each other and say, they're the right person. We just got to figure out how we fit them in. Maybe somebody else has to do part of what we would have had the right person we set out looking for do and let this person do some of the other stuff that we weren't considering. Yes, yes. And so, and, and so let me, if, if I can speak to the other piece, because I talk about the work that I do in leadership coaching, but the other piece of work that I've been involved in is human resources consulting, or sometimes organization consulting. 
Right. And so I've, I've had an opportunity where it comes up to work with small businesses and say, okay, tell me what it is you're trying to do. And then it's not so much the coaching side yet. It really is, you know, have you done your own SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? Joe, you know, that right. kind of corporate related type of stuff, but to a small business. And they'll say, yeah, I have done those things. Okay, so let me talk through with you what I might see versus what you might not see. So, and or, hey, you you might need, have you, who's your finance person? I don't really have a what. You might need a finance person given the business you're trying to really do. Or here's what I hear you saying about that next direction. Is that what you were trying to say? And so often people want to just talk out loud with somebody else to think back through with them. And so I try to be more than anything else. And many times, Joe, a really good listener, right. a really, really good listener. And then to repeat back to people what it is I heard them say and ask them, is that what you meant to say? Yep. They'll say yes or no. Okay, well, tell me again. And, and I remind people in many ways that most often than not, the answer is in them, that they're not broken. They're not broken. The answer is yeah. in them. They they're just, just need lost. Just look, they're, they're, not, they're not so sure yeah. about what it is they want to be sure about. And they don't want to kind of put it out to the world until they talk out loud about it. Huh. I know. I, I, I'll go back to Marilyn, who's my significant other of 30 years. There's a lot of times I'll see her doing stuff that is not exactly what needs to be done to get what she's trying to get done accomplished. And I'll say, you know, you're doing that because you think somebody else is worried about it or you like to do it, but you really don't need to do that. For instance, she's now thinking about doing some volunteering work and she's sort of a distraught grandmother. Her grandchild's all the way down in South Carolina. She gets to see her two, maybe three times a year. She liked the work of other grandchildren in the meantime, because she knows she won't see her own enough. And uh, so, she knows what she wants to do, but she is saying, maybe I'll start with volunteering in the hospitals. And I'm saying, well, you know, there, I met somebody at my leads group last week who does, um, works with, it's called Great Expectations, which is an, a place that helps women with their babies, getting them born and how to transition into life. And they need help so they can go to school or go to work while those that first year after having the baby. And uh, it sounds like it's a natural, that's something she would have never thought of. She was thinking going to the hospitals, maybe working in the, the natal clinic so that she could work with babies just born that just need somebody to hold them, which is would be great, but there's not that many of those jobs around. And now with COVID, um, it's pretty restrictive. You not only can't get a job like that to 100% over to COVID, but when you do get a job like that, you need a whole bunch of shots just to work in a hospital. And she's saying, this seems like it's too much. I said, because you're, you're in the right direction, but you're in the wrong spot. And yeah, that's good, Joe. That's yeah. Good. yeah, I could be your assistant one of these days, maybe. <laughs> well, listen, that's, that's good stuff, man. You're doing it, Joe. It's all good. So how, how much of your work is face-to-face -face versus over the telephone versus Zoom? Um, well, right now, it's all 100%, you know, um, Zoom and telephone. Okay. And, and, and in fact, and, 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 and what that does, it affords me, like I have, um, I, I mean, one of my, that's my furthest client right now, lives over in Taiwan. Wow. You know, 
so you know, and he, he works for a large corporation and so forth and so on. He just and he and I connect up, you know, on a monthly basis. We talk about you know his new senior job and how he's doing and what's getting in the way for him. So it, Joe, the the this this medium affords a great deal of flexibility. And because it is the Zoom, we're getting used to it. And in many ways, like I've said the Zoom medium for, for some people actually has made them more comfortable to say things they wouldn't have said face to face. Right. That's it's, interesting. You know, and so you work with it. I have a, a fellow who's in one of my other groups who's a divorce attorney. And he felt that, you know, I can't read the body language over Zoom. How am I going to do? He said, but I get to see their faces a lot closer than I used to get to see their faces. So it's got its its pluses and its minuses. Before COVID, was, was your work still pretty remote or was it more face-to-face? It was, it was there with about half and half. About, about half, half and half. half. And, and, and more so because I just would, um, and, and, and for two reasons. One, the nice thing about, when it's a close proximity, like the going to the district office in Newark or going through the major corporation, let's say in Basker Ridge that I work with, it would give me an opportunity to have a better feel for the environment they're working in. So it allowed me to go visit and see the actual work atmosphere, get a feel for the cultural dynamic of just being in there. That's the, that's the one thing, Joe, I would say you miss in some ways. However, it's not a major showstopper. However, there is a dimension that you can get by doing that, that makes it a little bit easier. For my clients, I can tell you in, in the corporate environment, they like this because they feel less pressure to have to go find a conference room. Right. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just so. You know. Well, and, and I look back, I mean, I call this God's way of correcting us a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, I really feel sorry for the people who've had the, the uh, our, our family hasn't, but others have. And some, there's been some tragedies through this, a lot of tragedies through this. But the experience has made us rethink things, rethink things to the extent of we're really questioning why we did it the way we used to do it. Um, I'll give you a great example. 1999, middle of the dot com, I was selling technology to retailers. I flew all the way to San Francisco to meet with Walmart.com on Post Street. We had a one hour meeting standing up in the lobby because it was so crowded, there was no place to sit down. And I flew back the same night on a red eye. I could have done all of that on a Zoom call. And I could have probably been more effective because sitting down, you sometimes are a little better than standing in an office and in a lobby with a bunch of people talking. So I, I look at some of the things that we used to do that we probably won't do anymore, which is drive to work all that time or go to a meeting in person when you can do it in Zoom. But there's there's an anti to it, and that is, or or I don't know, anti is the right word, but the the culture isn't necessarily there. Um, you need to get your workforce or your collaborators together to keep the culture going. And I think from what I'm talking to people like John Maddox about, who's the economic development manager for Somerset, is that that's what happens to some of this office space that's now not needed because we don't need so many people in the office. So rather than everybody having a cubicle, maybe we have room for a third of the people and we just get different people together. 
on uh, weekly, semi-monthly, monthly basis is to keep the culture going and then let people work remotely. I think people are have found out that they can work remotely and be very effective. They never believed they could. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I love your thinking. You know, I, I think that's 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 so true, Joe. Because this, I mean, there's been disruption. This is kind of one of those disrupting things right. that's really happened, and we know that there are companies that have leaned into it and said, you know, this isn't necessarily the way we would have planned it. However, it's upon us. Yes. You know, and it's not it's not about it's not about falling down. You can fall down as you know, like or as or as you know, you know, John Maxwell says. Do what you can to kind of fail forward, put your yeah. hands out, you know, yeah. and then back up and figure out it's the recovery side. How do you recover well from what's going to happen given these things are? So I, I do think that from, from, from a management standpoint, as I kind of think about the piece, right, one of the, one of the areas of challenge I find myself talking with leaders around is this whole notion of in order for me to manage well, I've got to have, I got to physically be right in front of them. Right. I got to see them in the office. And some of that, you know, not all, is still based on some old management motivation yep. theory. Yep. You, you know, you know, uh, you know uh, um, Douglas McGregor, theory X and theory Y. Like, if I don't see them, then they're going to be off doing lazy, bad stuff. Right. And so that whole notion, so, I mean, many organizations have for a long time moved past it. But I will tell you, Joe, there are many managers that I speak to today that uh, many times their struggle is, Walter, I, I just don't trust, that's the word, that they're going to get the work done if I'm not somehow hovering over them. And I, right. I understand, you know, and then we wind up talking through, well, okay, the reality winds up being, though, at the moment, that's not what's going to happen. What becomes other alternatives that you might think about? And, and is there any data that still validates the assumption you're making, or is now the data coming in to tell you it's different? Right. And when they think about it, they find they find many ways, you know, Joe, that it's a lot different than what they thought. I know I can recall people telling me, and I've seen it to some extent too, that where in old days a sales team would have the sales manager not sit in front of them in a room, but behind them and at a higher level, so he could see what who was doing what. And you were expected to be working all the time you were getting paid. And it was like really, really old school thinking. But, and it was more in a sales job than anything else. But I saw it recently in a car dealership. I was in getting a car serviced. And I was talking to a sales rep about what happens when my lease comes up. And maybe I should start thinking about the new models. And at the next desk, the sales manager came up behind a guy and says, you know, that phone isn't going to ring. you got to pick it up and call people or else you're not going to be working here next month. And he said, uh, he, he was, I wouldn't say derogatory, but he was browbeating. And I'm saying, I can't work like that. That, that, that is 1900 thinking and it's now 2021. It's, yes. You know, you've got to, and, and I actually said to the guy I was dealing with, um, why do people sit here and do that? And he says, because they need the money. <laughs> and I'm saying they need the money, but they need some skills so they don't have to sit here and do that because that is not the way. I mean, I'm in real estate and people in effect 
uh, in our management organization will say, you know, you got to be on the phone a couple hours a day calling people. And I'm saying, people aren't going to buy a house from me because I call them. And they're not going to sell their house from me because I call them. I don't mind calling people I know already and rekindling the relationships. Well, no, I'm sort of still alive, but um, that doesn't take a couple hours a day. A couple hours a day is where I go out and work with others that can help find people who need my skills. And that's more of the networking groups that we get into. And that's where I prefer to work. Then I took it a couple of steps further. I do interviews like this and I do interviews uh, based on our, our various lead groups where we do one-on-ones and get to know people. And it's amazing where your next lead comes from because it's somebody you talked to a year or two back or, or some, one of their neighbors. And they, my, Mary said, you are an expert in this area and I should be at least one of the people you're talking to. You should be one of the people I'm talking to. And I, I really feel gratified when that happens because I say it's working. You know, my convictions are there. It is working, Joe. And, you're, and, and you become a great advocate for others because you then do the same thing. You know, like that's the positive piece, like paying it forward that, yeah, you know, Joe's the kind of person that he will refer you or, or giving me an opportunity to others to be part of your podcast. I mean, that in my mind is paying it forward. So right. Thank you. So Walter, you're with Walter Slade. I guess it's Slade Coach. You don't use your first name. S-L-A-D-E-C-O-A-C-H comma L-L-C. If yes. somebody needs things they would like to talk to you, how do they best get in touch with you? Well, they could, I mean, the, the, the easiest way is just to kind of send me a note at Walter Slade Jr. at Gmail. You know, okay. that's the easiest, easiest way. You know, um, you know, I certainly, you know, do have my website and things, things of that sort, but I find that this particular more direct way, because I find myself having to keep changing that product to make it better and so forth and so on, just send me an email. And just say, hey, Walter, I'd love to chat with you. And that conversation, as I mentioned, you know, the only the only cost is time. Nothing, there's no cost other than that. And we figure out, you know, how it is that I might be able to help them to achieve the outcome that they're after in that regard. And 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 I want to connect to something and possibly find joy along the journey. <laughs> joy along the journey. If there's one thing we won't forget from today's conversation, it's joy along the journey. And right under that, I see dad and it says, uh, I can't read what's in the middle. Game? Those are the names of, of, my, of my four children. Ah. Alexis, Amanda, and Ashley. Those, that, that's, that's who gave it to me. Isn't that neat? How old are they now? When, when the Damien is 47. Alexis is 37. Amanda is 34 and Ashley is 31. Wow, you don't look that old, Walter. I mean, I've got <laughs> kids that old too, but I'm starting to look my age. So you're doing okay. You're doing something right because those smiles are keeping you going. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. Then I have this, I have six grandkids. Wow, how and old they, are they? Well, the, the oldest is 20. The oldest nice. is 20 and the youngest is 18 months. Wow. And we just saying, Matt Marilyn, we're going down to Atlanta to oh, drive over to uh, Charleston in two weeks to see the two-year-olds. So nice. I got a two-year-old granddaughter and I've got a 34-year-old granddaughter and I got a whole bunch in between. And uh, It's neat. It's a nice time of life. You know, it's, it's where you see um, 
what was important to you and how it's been passed down to them come to life. And it's really neat. Walter, I think it's been great talking to you. Um, anything we didn't talk about that you'd like to mention before we break off? I think just to, 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 to say again, one, that um, I absolutely enjoy having the conversations, you know, with people who are, I mean, just in general saying, hey, look, I'm just trying to talk through those next steps around any number of places, you know, Joe, some of the things wind up being the specialties of areas that I focus in. And other times it just winds up being, you know, can you help me think this piece through? And so I'm always open to that. I, I trust that ultimately, you know, the universe will figure out whether or not we're meant to kind of do further commercial business. However, the most important thing is that maybe there's a conversation I have with somebody that can help them along to that very next step. And I'm really always open to do that. And I just appreciate you um, giving me a platform to share my thoughts and, and who I am and, and what I'm trying to do. Well, Walter, thank you. This has been Joe Peters of In the Know of Joe talking to Walter Slade at Slade Coach LLC. I'm going to put all of Walter's contact information on the overview to this for the post so you can read from it there. And Walter, once again, thanks a lot. Thank you, Joe. I've always said Walter is just a pleasure to talk to and to listen to. His dedication to what he does is inspiring. And if you'd like to talk with Walter Ferber, you can reach him at 908-500-4980. One of the biggest decisions in your lifetime is buying or selling a house. Choosing a realtor with strong client communication, technology, and marketing skills will dramatically improve your chance of success. That's why Hunterdon and Somerset's residents rely on Joe Peters. Joe believes his clients deserve a smooth and seamless experience, not a roller coaster ride. As a Coldwell Banker sales associate with 20 years of experience, he's helped hundreds of people to achieve their goals and dreams, no matter where they were in the buying or selling process. Here's what his satisfied customers have to say. Joe guided us through the process of selling our home and made a complicated transaction appear seamless. Joe is diligent and responsive without being pushy and truly keeps his client's best interest in mind. He would return calls within minutes if he didn't pick up. Joe accomplishes this by approaching every transaction from a business perspective. Initially, he tries to fully understand your goals and dreams and make them his own. Then he takes the mass amount of data that's available and distills it down to a few understandable action points. And finally, he controls the entire process through technology and marketing. The end result to you is a smooth, rewarding customer experience. Let Joe show you how to take his professional expertise and put it to work for you. To contact Joe, go to jpeters.com. You can call 908-238-0118 or text to 908-304-4660.